Hello, everybody. This is Dimity in Denver. And who else do we have here on this lovely Wednesday morning? This is Sarah in Portland, Oregon. And Coach Christine in Maryland. Yes. Yeah, you never say Crofton. How come? No, no one knows, knows where Crofton is. is. <laughs> <laughs> and I could say Annapolis, but then that would be a lie. Right, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't appreciate those lies when people are like, oh, yeah, I live, you know, I don't know, in, in D.C. Well, no, actually, they really live in Rockville, which is not D.C. It's a lovely place, but, you know, it's not Washington, yes. D.C. Yes, so. yes. Well, well, maybe we'll put Crofton on the map. From now on, I'll say I am from Crofton. <laughs> All right. There we'll get our go. Crofton shirt, a Crofton hat. That's It'll right. take off. Yeah. <laughs> What's your motto in Crofton? What's your motto? Gosh. Running with wolves? No. <laughs> Actually, today, on my run today, I saw a fox. Oh, oh that's exciting. The foxes, yes. yeah. And I right saw... across the street in front of me. Wow. <laughs> I was I like, saw... oh, awesome. I saw, yeah, I saw dead rat. foxes. I love them. I yeah. love when I see them. Because they're not, they're not going to come near you, right? Like. No, I mean, I, yeah, he just, he was more scared of me, I think, so. Not like There's... the coyotes that are in our neighborhood that would, like, run alongside of you and do hill repeats with you. I mean, they have no <laughs> fear. That's a little freaky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Toss me a milk bone along the way. Um, well, so anyway, we're not here to talk about foxes, coyotes, or hill. Well, we are here to talk maybe about hill repeats, but we are here with kind of our first of our next round of podcasts for the Train Like a Mother Club. We've got a little overlap situation going on. We've got um, a bunch of people in the 10, 5K, 10K, half, and marathon still waiting to race. Mm -hmm. And then we've got the next slew of challengers coming in in the 10k half and marathon so we've got kind of a nice mix of questions because we've got some people coming into their race and other people just coming into their training or haven't even started yet really so um so we've got a a, a wide range shall we say Yes, yes. It's kind of like how you look at, um, you know, like if you're a seventh grader and you look at the eighth graders who are about to graduate, you know, and you think like, yeah. oh, they're going off to high school. Oh, my gosh. What does that feel like? You know? Yes, yes. I have to say, uh, so it's it's this week, the eighth graders, the way that they do Amelia's school is um, the eighth graders graduate on a Friday and then there's like four more days of school. Mm -hmm. So I mean, so this is that's the week that we're in right now. So she's all like, I am ruling the school. Like, you know, that's like totally just like attitude for for no reason at all. I'm like, yeah, easy there, killer. You're ruling over the sixth graders, and that's happening as we get to it. But that's okay. That is funny. Yeah. You anyway, it's only a few times you get to be, you know, rule the roost. So I know, I know. You got You gotta take advantage when you can, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, so speaking of summer, our first question, um, our first set of questions, is about the heat, which is definitely an issue for everybody coming into their races for sure who have mm -hmm. trained through the cold, dark, blizzardy winters. And then all of a sudden they show up on the starting line and it's 80 degrees. <laughs> like, oh, wow, this is new. Um, and, uh, or if you're starting to train, you know, for just, just coming into your training cycle, cause you're going to train through the summer. Yeah. So the first yeah, one comes from Kim, who is in the half marathon. I believe either the half or the full. She said, I, she says, I had a great training cycle for my spring half, but I have noticed my pace has slowed a lot since the weather has gotten warmer. How do I manage my expectations um, with regard to the weather? How do I train properly in the heat, et cetera? So why don't you take on that et cetera, Christine, and talk about yeah. um, how to adjust. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's a very common and very normal phenomena. <laughs> your, yeah. the, your your effort will stay the same, but your paces will seem very, very slow as it, as it gets hotter. But, you know, I mean, there's the ideal temperature of what, like 40 to 50 um, it would be like the ideal where you exactly can hit race, race pace. Once you start getting above that, you can, um, you will definitely start to slow down and you need to make expectations of that during your training, um, as the temperature soar, especially the first three to five weeks of being in the heat, you know, as your body's trying to acclimate. But, you know, once we're talking about 80 degree, 85 degree weather, you can see anywhere from like a 10% increase to, of your pace on up. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so, so expect that don't let it get frustrating. Um, you know, try not to look at your watch as much <laughs> mm -hmm. and look at the paces and feel, feel defeated. I do the same thing. And even though I've been running for decades every summer, I, I get frustrated. Like today I was like, gosh, my pace is so slow, but Hey, it's 75 degrees out. It's humid. That's, that's to be expected. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so 
definitely have to adjust your expectations um, during the summer. But once that fall cool weather hits, then you'll see the opposite happen. And all of a sudden you're going to be flying and be like, woohoo, it feels like a thousand times better. Yeah, rock star, right? Do you you suggest then that people run more by perceived exertion in the summer rather than thinking like, oh, I have to nail that 1030 pace? It's like, oh, well, if I'm supposed to be doing race pace, maybe it should feel like a five on a one to 10 scale of effort. Yes. Yes. So if you know, like if, so if you have race pace planned and you know, your race pace is, you know, I don't know, like, uh, let's like race pace, let's say it's something crazy fast, like eight minute miles. Mm -hmm. Then if you know, you're going to be running in a day where it's going to be like 70 or 80 degrees, you might want to adjust that and say, okay, with that, I'm going to be looking at, you know, five to 10% slower. So let's shoot for an eight 30 to like nine Mm -hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully that will feel about the same, <clears throat> but yes, I'm a big believer in perceived effort. So that's, that's what you should always default to, I think, mm-hmm. um, rather than always concentrating on the paces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you would certainly be able to speak to this Christine because of where you live, but humidity, heat, like it Ugh. seems like it, some people are like, oh yeah, well it gets cooler in the evening, but then doesn't the humidity, like when's the humidity higher like is there is there an optimum time always of day? <laughs> <laughs> no, right? it goes from 82 to 85 so yeah yeah Big you difference. know i mean i think the humidity and i don't know the answer to that question if it's if the humidity gets better or worse but um but definitely the effect of the sun is is less mm-hmm. when it's not there yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> funny how that works <laughs> dirt outside, you cannot feel the sun. No, wow this is why we bring the coach on for the big the big relevations when it's dark outside it's not as hot that's right so yeah so yeah so even if there is humidity if you don't have that direct sun then you know you're you're obviously in a little bit cooler situation but yeah i actually i don't know the answer i don't know Mm -hmm. if there if how much the humidity shifts you know from from to dawn i don't know but also one thing um all jokes aside about the sun it it does make such a big difference to be able to run in the shade so to be able to kind of scout out some paths maybe that are in a park so they have more trees on them or if there's an older neighborhood that then has some you know higher growth trees you know rather than little saplings that do nothing to cool you down yeah a nice canopy Mm -hmm. is is run under absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. or ending at a river or a lake and jumping in (laughs) there we go there we go that's a big the big colorado thing to do i mean the other thing to do and i i mean i know people are like oh i hate the treadmill but you know, there is a place for it. And if it is your lunchtime and it is 90 degrees outside, you are not going to have a good run. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you have access to a treadmill, you know, I, I think it's better to have a workout that you feel good about than one you absolutely slog through and hate, you know? Absolutely. So, and that might be a good place to do the race pace stuff is, right, is in yeah. a cooler environment. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, that if it's, you know, just a four mile easy run, maybe get outside and get a little vitamin D. But if it's um, spoken like someone who lives in Oregon. Um, and, uh, but if it, you know, if you do have a very specific workout that you really feel compelled to hit some, some paces or, um, effort, that sort of thing, a treadmill is a great idea. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing that I um, have done before and I kind of like is if you do have a long run, say you have a 14 miler or a 16 miler that you're queued up, like get up early, do the first half or 10 miles outside and, um, I mean, I have, I have a route where I can end at the gym and then mm-hmm. finish. Right. And so you get a little bit of both and mm-hmm. you get the cooler morning hours and then you, you know, only have to finish for an hour or whatever on the treadmill. So that's just, a, that's a classic Dimity creative solution. <laughs> and I mean that with absolute respect in my voice when I say that. Thank um, you. Well, yeah. thanks. I mean, yeah, you just, just think creatively a little bit yep. just because you got to get it done, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving on. So do you want to ask from the next Sarah, the yeah. next the yeah. next Sarah Kim or yeah. the next Kim Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, and I'll let you always chime in as to wh- where this person's from. Uh, this is Kim, another Kim. There, everybody in the challenges is named Kim. That's all. That's all right. <laughs> uh, um, how do Dimity and Christine, and hey, me too, um, c- carry their goo and water on long runs and races? Bullet shorts. I love that. That, that we've already, you know, they already know Sockney bullet shorts. Uh, hydration vest. You know, in your hand. What's the answer? Yeah. So Kim, Kim is in the, is in an, um, I think she's at our third round of the marathon challenge with us. Her name she, looks very familiar to me. Yeah. yeah she lives in, um, Europe. Uh, she, I believe she lives in Austria or yeah. Germany oh. and, um, or is it Switzerland? 
or Switzerland. Switzerland it is. I totally remember because I always save that because I'm the one who, you know, you know them more intimately from Facebook and stuff like that. But I'm like, oh, I know you from doing that label. And it ta- I have yeah. to fill out a customs form. And it's like, oh, one goo, one tube of noon. And I'm thinking, these people don't know what noon and goo are. <laughs> yeah, I do know that she ran the Berlin Marathon last year. I don't know what oh, she's that's running exciting. this year. exciting. Wow. But, um, yeah, cool. Yes. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Very cool. So, yeah. So how do you carry your stuff? Christine, in a little wagon um, behind you? Yeah. No, no. You know, um, I, I do have my bullet shorts, and they do have the great two pockets on each side. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what I recently um, used was that belt that you can kind of, it's its made out of material, and it just has zippers on it. What is that? Flip belt, I think it's called? Oh. A spy belt, and, like that, yeah. Or spy belt, yeah. And it just slips on, and it's very stretchy, mm-hmm. and it has, um, it's basically like a, a tube. Mm-hmm. around you but it's made out of material so it flexes and gives with you and then you can fit in more goos and gels and your phone if you want that and any other kind of little little things right. um and then on super duper long runs uh i'll take my hydration vest and you know that's got a bajillion pockets in it for everything mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah How about you dimity uh, well, uh, well, what do I do? Um, so I think, you know, yeah, similar. I mean, I, I don't like to have things around my waist like that. That just doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. So I, um, I again, like kind of get creative. I mean, I stuff my pockets to the maximum. You know, I can mm-hmm. usually now most shorts, I feel like have two pockets in them now. They have that little key pocket, which sometimes can fit a goo. Um, and then they sometimes have like a back zipped pocket that could fit mm-hmm. one or two. Um, but then you can really like you can pin goos to you mm-hmm. like to to various places. I mean, I use my bra sometimes to come in between my bodacious tatas. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, just stuff like that. And then for water, I mean, that's where you, again, you kind of have to get more creative and really make sure that you have your hydration needs met. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's planting, you know, bottles along your route in coolers and just saying, don't touch this. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to somebody, another runner, and she was like, you know, because people are like worried about getting their bottles stolen. And so mm-hmm. I said, she was like, we need to make bottles that we like, leave this bottle the F alone. Carla will come <laughs> back to get you if you take it or something like that, you know? I just, like, I just hide mine. Well, you can do that too, but it's That's kind of. That's what I do. I hide mine too. Like, yeah, like behind like stone walls or yeah, under yeah. bushes and things like yeah. that. Yeah. You can do that too. Um, but anyway, so that kind of thing. Or, you know, I know, Sarah, you've been known to stop it. Um, like subways or whatever, mm-hmm. or Seven Eleven. I mean, that's I've done that on bike rides. I've never really done it on a run, but mm-hmm. just you know, planning your route so you can think about when you're going to need more hydration and yeah. filling up. Yeah, yeah or it's a good idea to have a couple dollars with you too. So. Yeah, or you go be like me and just go in and ask them if you can have water for free. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you look as bedraggled as I do around mile sixteen, I they're they not. <laughs> yeah, they they sure do. Um, and then I was uh, on a recent run. I stopped in at a cafe to use their bathroom and they didn't and it was definitely a place where there would have been homeless people around and you know um they did not say oh customers only so um yeah so i um Oh, thanks for asking, guys. Yeah, so I. <laughs> Sarah, what do you do? So you know, I know I know Kim meant to include. So yeah, so I, uh, so I, uh, oftentimes will put them in the you know particularly goose and my phone in the pockets of the bullet capris or the bullet shorts. I do sometimes wear capris in the summer. I know that sounds incredibly warm, but just for the. Um, prevention of chub rub and then also then I have these two great big pockets on either side and I also wear a fuel belt which for then that you know so I have four 10 ounce bottles on that and they are bomb proof when it comes to leaking they just do that fuel belt I love those bottle tops because um, that can be so frustrating you put you know you put your noon all in it and then it likes you know half of it's dribbled out on you before you've even hit the first mile and um, a side note, definitely let your noon tablets um, dissolve completely with the lid off before you head out so that you yes. can get kind of that effervescence out of there. Um, I've had it yeah. explode in my face. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Um, I, I mean, it up and it's like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I mean, some people even do it the night before and then refrigerate the bottles. I guess you could freeze them. That would be a little um, wake up mm. call to have that around your waist. And it's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. wouldn't do that. Yeah. So yeah. then also, but I, I do oftentimes, um, let's say I'm going out on a run that's not going to be long enough to wear my belt, but you know, it's the summer. So maybe it's seven, eight miles, something like that. I'll carry a disposable water bottle, you know, like a, I don't know, an Aquafina or whatever, Poland Springs bottle with me. And then 
when I finish it, then, you know, there's always somebody's recycling bin sitting around. So I just toss sure. it into someone else's recycling bin. That's awesome. So, yeah. 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 I remember uh, when I was training for Ironman, Sarah, do you remember this one? I did that 18 miler in Albany. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, <laughs> that was a hot day. Oh, I very was, hot and humid. The longest I was going to run coming from Colorado. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, yeah, I was like, why is my butt all wet? You know, like mile <laughs> two. And I'm like, oh my God, I've lost, you know, 30, 40% of one bottle. And then I had one handheld, oh, you know, no. and I was like, yeah, I, yeah, that was not a... I also love, can I tell <laughs> the other story that I love, particularly you saying about your butt being all wet from that, but also that when we were running out near Seattle at that one running retreat we went to, and you're like, this shirt's so bogus, it's totally not wicking, why is it all wet? And I'm like thinking, what are you talking about? Of course your shirt is going to stay wet the whole time. I'm like, oh right, she's from Colorado. Wicking fabric would actually dry in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, yeah, humidity is a new is a new thing for me. That's the... the, the, the piercing unrelenting sun not a new thing but humidity is a new thing i have to get used to yeah yeah. (laughs) okay so let's move on to some pace questions because we've got a couple of these um and this is coming from amanda who's in the 5k run walk question a run walk um challenge and she's her question is so good and um and as we always say there's no question that is too basic or tmi Mm -hmm. so she starts with maybe this is too basic of a question which is not so um she says it relates to pace um, on a normal everyday three mile run, I run about a 1330 pace, 13 minutes if I'm really having a great day. At my 5k on Monday, I ran a consistent 12 minute mile pace. Does this mean that the pace I should really, does this mean this is the pace that I should really be running at? Like, should I just quit being such a pansy and push myself harder? <laughs> or is race pace an entirely different animal? Is this where all those tempo runs I read about come into play? And I think she's, I mean, she did it absolutely correctly, right? Yep. Like she yep. trained slow and she raced yep. fast, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep, she did perfect. I mean, and and yes, race pace is an entirely different animal. Um, and, you know, she's found that out now. But yeah, you always train, you're always going to train slower most of the miles than your race pace, especially in a 5K um, you know, you're, you're going to, if she progresses, if she goes up to the run or the race, then she'll start experimenting a little bit more with race pace stuff and tempo stuff that she mentioned and, um, you know, and then play with the paces some more. But yeah, I mean, if you're just getting out there, you're definitely your normal, easy training pace is going to be a lot slower than mm-hmm. your 5k training pace. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. So you did it all correctly. So, and that's not a basic question because no. uh, what we've learned over time is that a lot of people race their training, right? Yes. They race their training and then they get to race day and they're so depleted that they can't race their race. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You want, I mean, most of your miles should be easy aerobic miles mm-hmm. and as easy, comfortable, conversational pace. There you go. Yeah. All right. So that leads into the next one from Christine. All right. Hey, all right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I like her already. <laughs> so Christine, the other Christine says, I have a question about how to stick to running quote unquote easy. I did three miles this morning and was attempting to keep it at an easy pace, but I still found myself doing practically race pace, albeit while pushing my two-year-old in the stroller. So it was a bit below. So, you know, how do you, how do you stick to that easy? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's can be tricky. Um, but a lot of times what I've found, unfortunately, is that eventually if you go out on all your easy runs, running race pace or faster, eventually your body's going to say, ha ha, you know, it's going to show up with some aches and pains or an injury. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're going to have to, you're going to be forced to backtrack. So it would be a good idea to, start to really learn to dial in and just like running hard can be a challenge running slow can be a challenge I know a lot of the heart rate people that are training now are are seeing that and so when you when you when you go out on those easy runs you need to make sure that you're holding yourself back the effort needs to be um, such that you're able to have a conversation. And I always tell people, even if you're by yourself or she was with their kids, just, you know, talk to your kids, Mm -hmm. you know, make it more about the experience of being out there, notice things, enjoy the run, you know, see the birds and the flowers, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, make it relaxing. Don't make it a, uh, a big pace challenge type thing, kind of make it a more Zen type experience. Yeah. I had a coach when I was uh, training for a marathon who said, 
that she was not going to be impressed if I came back and told her that I had run faster than she'd asked me to. Yep, exactly. And that really, as a person who likes to try to impress her coach, um, you know, or people on Strava or something like that, 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 you know, if that's not what you're supposed to be doing, you're not impressing people and you're not doing yourself any good. Exactly. I tell my clients that too. I I tell them that I know you can run faster. (laughs) I know (laughs) you can run faster, but I don't want you to. If you run faster, it will defeat the purpose of the workout. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the conversation thing is a good thing. I honestly think taking it to the next level, because I think people think a conversation is like, I am fine. How are you? You know, like quick little sentences instead of like, hey, I've got this parable I want to tell you about that's going to take 15 <laughs> minutes, you know, yeah. um, singing. Can you sing? Can you sing the Pledge of Allegiance or say the Pledge of Allegiance or sing America the Beautiful, like without being like, <gasps> you know, um, I think that those are those are two really good ways. I mean, and then I've obviously slowed down my running quite a bit to um, to try heart rate training. And I just sometimes think of my easy runs as like bobbing along. Like, I really don't even feel like I'm running. I feel like I'm just kind of like do to do, like kind of shuffling, kind of bobbing. You know, when you come home from an easy run, you should feel like I could have gone just as long again. Like if you're going out for three miles, you could go three more miles. No problem. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. even if you might like roll your eyes at me, if I asked you to do that, but you could do it. And yeah. that's, and that's really like, if you think about that pace, so like really I'm going to go run for six miles. How slow do I need to go to make it feel super easy? Mm-hmm. Right. You want to be able to, you want to finish not feeling exhausted. You want to finish, like you said, feeling like you could have kept going if you had to. And yeah. Ma- and maybe also we need to rebrand it instead of saying slow, maybe like controlled or comfortable or, you know, something like that. Cause I think also sometimes um, people can get stuck with, or at least I'd like to speak for myself. I sometimes can get stuck with thinking like, Oh, well, I don't want to run slowly. Sort of want to slow. Well, Mm -hmm. and the other thing too, is you can turn off the GPS part of your watch. Like say, say you're going to go for three miles, you know, we didn't do most of these plans in minutes, but say three miles. And so you know that you're going to take it. You're normally say you race at 10 minute mile pace. So your easy run should be somewhere say 11 to 12 minute miles. So say, okay, I'm going to go run for 35 minutes and just either wear your face watch, you know, the one that has a clock face, what's that called? Analog, digital, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Chromatic, no. What's it called? No, um, I thought, I don't know. I don't know. Traditional. (laughs) Um, Or something like that. Or just put put your phone on a timer and just don't worry about the miles. You know, just know that, you know, and if you get to 35 minutes and you've run 2.75 miles, perfect. That's all you need. You don't need to be like, oh, I better get that extra 0.25, you know? Mm -hmm. So as much like, like stimulus as you can take away to take away that that connotation of being slow Mm -hmm. and instead focus in on, am I comfortable? Am I going moderately? Am I bobbing? Whatever it happens to be, whatever your cue is, that's Mm -hmm. the best way to do it. Okay. So moving into another pace question. So now we're teaching you how to run slow. And then Kimberly, who is in the fall 26.2 challenge is wondering how to control the pace on tempos and intervals. She said, she says, I seem to run like a bat out of hell and not necessarily adhere to the pace range prescribed. Example, I did a two-mile temporal workout with a one-mile warm-up and a one-mile cool-down, and my tempos were closer to my current 5K pace rather than between 10K and a half. I think I get worried that I won't hit the number, that I so I overcompensate mm-hmm. and run too fast. Oh, mm-hmm. I have no idea what she's talking about, right, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> never done it. Never done it. Not, never, e- not even like, yesterday, okay, for instance. Average out. It'll all average out. Like, I'm going to go really hard, and then I'm going to slow Oh, and out. I got well, what I told myself yesterday, I had to do um, – a fairly complex workout, but it included three times four minutes at tempo. And I was finding myself going um, like 10 seconds under it in the first one. I was like, nope, nope, nope. Because if I pour it on in this one, I'm not going to have it be able to hit the right pace in right. Uh, re- yeah. repeats two and three. And sure enough, in the second one, I had trouble hitting the number. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. It comes back yeah, to bite you. And that's, I mean, in that, in that, therein is the goal of any kind of interval or tempo workout is you want to, you want there to be consistency from one interval to the next. Mm -hmm. The first interval might feel way easier than the last one, but if you're able to consistently hit your tempo pace for each of the segments, um, or each part of the miles. And, and, you know, I know she did a two mile tempo run. So she could, in fact, instead of looking at it as a two mile chunk, maybe, uh, get her watch to do 800 intervals or half mile mm-hmm. intervals mm-hmm. so that she can kind of concentrate on one little piece at a time and make sure she stays on pace. Um, and that way, hope, yeah, that way hopefully she won't go out too fast. Cause if you're looking at a full mile, sometimes it's, 
easy to get it, let it get away from you. So breaking it down into smaller chunks can be helpful. But yeah, you want to be able to finish just as strong as you started. And if you start too fast, start like a bat out of hell, most likely you're not going to have much juice left at the end. Um, and also, like I said, with the easy one, you know, with the easy paces, I know you can run faster, mm-hmm. Kimberly. <laughs> we know, we know you, you know, we know you can bust out 5k pace for two miles, but you're doing a completely different workout than if you were to stick with, you know, the tempo pace. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You too. yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes tempo is different, like a two mile tempo. Cause that's a block, but like Sarah, you're, you know, you're three by four minutes. I mean, if you almost think of like the first one as a warm up, the second one or the second, you know, the middle chunk is like staying on there. And then the, the fourth one is like finishing strong or the third one is finishing strong. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Kind of make mm-hmm. it a sandwich. And so like mm-hmm. that first one, you're not trying to be like, Oh my God, I've got to hit it right away. Like it's better to be, almost above, right? Yeah, so you're trying to go yeah. for eight Absolutely. minutes. Absolutely, yep. If you're at 8.05, 8.10, 8.20 even, that's okay. And then maybe the next one you bring it down and you bring it down, you know, but it's, it's you know, if you can kind of try to just kind of accelerate into them, mm-hmm. you know, both metaphorically and physically, yep. like it's, again, it's, it's much easier for me to stand here and say to do that <laughs> and actually do it. But the more that you can kind of put in your mind, like, I'm just going to slowly ease in, I'm going to hit the pace. And if I don't hit the pace, it's going to be okay. But if I go too hard, I'm going to put myself in the hole. Yeah. Right. So I can't tell you how many times I actually thought to myself, hashtag find your strong hashtag, find your strong. (laughs) And then I would just envision the hashtag and then just think, find your strong, find your strong, find your strong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those are good. They're super fulfilling and they're fun, but if you don't do them the right way, right. Because it's not like they get to do that workout and have a couple of days off, you know, like you have oh, to yeah. do that workout mm-hmm. and then get up and do probably an easy run again or a cross training or something. But you've got to make sure that you've given your body enough time to. Yes. Recovery recover. is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. so, so next up we got Melissa who is culminating a 26.2 program And she says, um, at this point, I know I'll get it done, but I'm having a hard time figuring out what I'm truly capable of. I don't want to underestimate myself and miss a time goal, but I also don't want to go out too strong and bonk. I've already received some good advice from this group, but right now I feel like my marathon could be a 15 minutes to a half hour either way for my time goal, depending on the day I'm having. She's practiced a lot of things during her long runs, fuel, clothes, chafing spots, etc. But race day is still different. And there's so much that can't be decided. So how does she, you know, really figure it out and know what pace she should be running on race day, coach? Um, well, I, I, do we know if this is Melissa's first marathon? Um, I do not. I do yeah, not. That, that would be kind of like my, a good indicator of how I would answer the question. If this is her first marathon, I would definitely encourage her to err on the side of being slower. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if she, if she knows she's got 15, 30 minutes either way, I would start the race. So let's just, for an example, use, let's say she's shooting for about a four hour and she could go 15 minutes either way. I would encourage her then to start at like a 4.15 to 4.30 pace for those first 10 miles or so and then see how she's feeling. And if she feels good, then she can start bumping up. Um, but if she is, you know, if she's had several marathons in her and she has some past times, she knows that maybe she's consistently hit 4.10, um, 4.05 or something. And now she's shooting for that four and she kind of feels like, well, it could go 4.15 or 3.45. Then she might want to start the race at maybe the, uh, the pace that she's been able to hold before, you know, like mm-hmm. a four, four pace or a 4.05 pace. And then again, after 10 miles or so kind of assess and see, okay, can I hold this? Can I pick it up? Um, but yeah, you know, it's hard and, and hopefully she's, she's got some numbers from her training and, um, during the buildup, if she did a half marathon, she can certainly plug that half marathon into uh, a calculator to help her figure out what might be realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just looking at her long runs and seeing what the paces were and most long runs, if she did them at the correct pace, you know, you can chop off a minute or more, um, and kind of guesstimate what your marathon pace might be. Mm-hmm. And what about, I mean, I think a lot of, uh, kind of reading into this a little bit is what can she control and what can't she control? Yep. Yep. Okay. Right? And All so right. let's talk about, I mean, and I'm not, you did it, you had a great answer. And I think that that's a smart thing to think about pace, but then you come into the race and again, like going, circling back to what we just talked about, like all of a sudden it's crazy hot or there's crazy rain coming down or, you know, all of a sudden GI problems. 
GI problems or her foot doesn't feel good or whatever it happens yeah. to be, you know? Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, I think sometimes you put so many expectations into the race. And so then when you don't have that day or that, you know, you don't wake up and feel exactly how you want to, or the weather isn't exactly what you wanted it to be or whatever. How well, do you, true. you know, get a over lot yourself? of, yeah, I mean, a Run. lot of, in order to have like what I say, the perfect marathon, so many elements have to come together. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Just, I mean, the stars have to align. Yep, they sure do. <laughs> they sure that, do. Yeah. To have that perfect marathon experience. So we can pretty much assume most likely something's going to happen, most likely, you know, whether it be the weather or you're, you know, you get some chafing or, you know, all of a sudden you, you need water when you don't have it. So what I try to tell my clients to do often is kind of visualize not only the good things, but also visualize the potential bad things that you can think of. Um, you know, your shoe coming untied, you've got a blister, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, what are the midriff of things that could possibly happen? And then see how you would handle that problem and successfully get over it. Now, yeah, you might be slower because of that. If you have GI distress, you know, then you might have to stop at the porta potty and go to the bathroom. Um, but see yourself in your mind's eye kind of, okay, uh, my stomach hurts. I got to go to the bathroom. You go to the bathroom, you hop back on the course, drink some more water, and you see that you're, you're able to get over that stuff. So stuff might happen that's going to be beyond your control, mm -hmm. but you can still control how you respond to that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had a marathon when my very first marathon Marine Corps in two, oh God, 1990. <laughs> I know. Wait. Uh, no, uh, wait, it was last millennium. <laughs> In 1998, I uh, was running, and it was a six-mile aid station. There were so many cups and water on the ground. I fell. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. Fell smack down on my knees and my oh. hands. And, yeah, it was awful. It was one of the worst experiences. <laughs> that marathon was awful. But anyway, so so I fell down, and um, and I went to the truck, and I sat there, and I thought, okay, I obviously couldn't control the fact that I fell down and I thought, okay, now, but I get to control what I get to do next. Mm. I can call it quits or I can pick it up and keep on going. And, uh, you know, and I decided to keep on going. So, you know, you just have to visualize all the possible things that could go wrong and, and see how you can successfully handle them. And spe speaking of that now, if we, we don't want to plant the seed that people are going to be like, I'm going to trip on the water cups. It, no. it, it does get slippery at particularly in yeah. bigger races. I mean, like a Marine Corps or, you know, like Boston That's that I just was. did or Chicago. That, um, and so that I definitely um, keep, you know, be alert and also try if there's water stops or, you know, Gatorade on one side, water on the other, try to go down the middle. Yep. And because, um, Dim, I just think, I just told John last night we saw, um, a banana peel on the road. And I'm like, Oh, John, there was this woman that I met at, you know, the dim and I met at a party outside Chicago and she had slipped on a banana peel in the race. And remember she <gasps> fractured her hip and she kept going. She kept going. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I mean, wow. to talk about badass, but my goodness, um, yeah, I might've recommended yeah, stopping so on yeah, that you one. Do, you definitely have to. And those are the things you can't control is making mm -hmm. sure where your footing is. And, and, you know, speaking of the water stations, especially in those big ones, when you first see those first tables, you don't have to, you know, yeah. there's probably 15 tables lined up because mm -hmm. you've got 30,000 marathoners. So don't feel like you need to pull up to the very first ones. Like you yep. said, Sarah, you know, run down the middle, wait a few tables and there's going to be less congestion a little bit further down. Oh yeah. And I also feel, I always feel badly for those volunteers because I feel that they're out there just as much <laughs> as the other ones. I'm like, Oh, you're not getting any love. So I'm always like, very, thank you. I really appreciate you being out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry they'll get love like you know as as all the runners come through you know <laughs> six hours later they're still like okay i'm done handing out water cups yeah. but yeah i think that's a really good point um i just think i mean yeah because sarah you've had kind of two bostons where the heat was more than you expected and, yes ma'am yeah <laughs> and so but you know but you always did a good job you always do a good job of finding some good in that you know mm -hmm. so you couldn't control the thermometer but you could control your perspective you can control your pace mm -hmm. you know be smart about it that kind of thing right yeah yeah so for say for instance in this most recent boston it was um you know starts late so it's the sun is super high in the sky and which that makes it warmer when the sun is up in the sky like that <laughs> when it's not dark <laughs> and so so um, just gotta love beating a joke into the ground uh, and, uh, so you know started at 11 15 and the, but the weather forecast was that it was going to be 
um, you know, overly warm for the first half, but then a breeze would be coming off the ocean and cooling things down somewhat for the second half. So I knew that the miles, or sorry, the hills start at mile 16. And I like to have, you know, I always like to find something positive that I can feel proud about after a race. So I told myself by about mile eight, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit cooler and I do a good job of tackling hills. So I'm going to really, you know, attack those hills. And so, you know, it sure enough, it got significantly, quote unquote, cooler. And so I was able to really, you know, charge up those hills and, and feel good about it and feel very, very proud. But I also knew by mile two that my race was going to be significantly slower overall than I wanted it to be. Sure, and sure. and I, I have run more than my fair share of hot marathons. Marathon. I know. Yes, I have never followed you to a marathon, just in case you're wondering. Guess what? I'll be like, um, I'm going to head to the absolute opposite coast. I mean, remember, remember how hot Nike Women's 2007 was. The, there, I just, you know, love that picture of us sitting down at Ocean Beach with our back toward the Pacific Ocean, which you usually can't see because it's so foggy and so windy and cold. And there we are in our short sleeve shirts, looking incredibly happy and comfortable because it's so sunny and warm. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, oh, yeah. gosh. Totally, totally. Oh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, you know, we're talking about all the the negative things to watch out for. But, you know, I, you know I'm sure there have also been situations, especially for um, this runner, that you could have the opposite happen. Mm-hmm. You could all of a sudden be looking down at your watch at mile 20 and feeling freaking fantastic and yep. you're blowing it out of the water. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can panic because of that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. You know? sure. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if that happens, you know, she needs to also be prepared that, you know, if things go beautifully, not to freak out because of the good, good stuff that's happening. So. Yeah. And be, and be brave and then go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, really seize the day. So, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, well, now, now it's time to talk about injuries. Um, yes. Now, yeah, we'll take, we'll take it from a being brave to, yeah. to healing, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so Lindsay, who was in our stride into summer challenge, which is awesome, um, says several podcasts from AMR, have you all, or the guest speakers talking, Lindsay must be from like Louisiana, um, <laughs> Some about the importance and benefits of a good physical therapist to evaluate nagging injuries and or to help you appropriately treat and recover from one. So how do you know if the PT physical therapist near you is any good with runners? Yeah, so my suggestion is definitely to go to a local running store and get suggestions. Because, yeah. or go to, you know, if there's a group run, go there and ask people. Because, you know, they, they foster relationships with those people and they, and a store, for instance, doesn't want to send you to someone that's not going to treat you right and that isn't going to help you because they want you to be happy with their suggestion. Then you think, oh, well, now that I'm back running, I need some new shoes. So I'm going to go back to that store that recommended, you know, wonderful Ellen who helped me, you know, or whatever it is. So, um, and for me, when I went to see my PT after my ankle injury, the surgeon that I worked with recommend, he was like, Oh, where do you live? And then he's like, Oh, I got a great person who's, you know, just six blocks from you. And I would have normally walked, but instead I had to get a ride, but (laughs) (laughs) sure. sure, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a recommendation is a great thing. And then obviously when you talk to that physical therapist or see them for the first time, just say, have you seen, you see many people like me, you do work with many runners, you know, Mm -hmm. or especially if you're like a beginning runner or, a really, you know, more maybe elite runner, you know, do you work with people like me? Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, you know, how, you know, what's your typical perspective on healing or treatment or whatever it needs to be? I mean, they should be able to talk you through what they want to do and explain it really well, what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And if they tell you, you know, you need to stop running, that's not like being like, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy. Cause maybe there is a legitimate reason why you've got to take a break, but then, you know, but then, the plan should obviously say, and we're going to ease back into running by doing this or whatever. Or also they themselves could be a runner. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, um, two, just, I just loved my PTs, I have to say. Um, and so the first one that I worked with was this woman, Lindsay, who I think, oh, her baby was 10 months old and she ran a sub three hour marathon (laughs) in Chicago. And I was like, all righty then, you know, a thing or two about running. You're qualified. Yeah. 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 So, and then the second one that I worked with, you know, was, uh, you know, a more recreational runner. And, and so, you know, she really knew what running meant to uh, a busy mom and, and, you know, the importance of getting that back into my life. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I would say I would agree, too, with both of what you said. I was going to say the same thing as, uh, you know, going to your running group Mm -hmm. um, or even if you're not a part of the running group, just getting in looking on the website. A lot of times there will be information of different chiropractors and therapists and massage therapists Mm -hmm. that the that the group kind of endorses. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. good point. Sure. Sure. And then her second, she goes on, Lindsay goes on, and also I realize these are my qualifications for almost every question. For those of us in the legitimate rural areas on a really tight budget restrictions, are there other injury prevention or identification treatment or recovery options? That's that's all. And basically she's saying if I don't have, if I can't, yeah. I can't find a PT or I don't have the means to afford a PT, what else can I do? And I just want to put a plug in for foam rolling once again. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a foam rolling video with Coach MK who who's doing involved in the heart rate challenges. And um, it has changed my life because the first move is rolling out your shins. I have never rolled out my shins before. And holy cow, you release (laughs) the front of your legs Mm. and then the back of your legs can release more and then your feet can release more. And I can't tell you what a difference that one move has made. And so she's got 10 moves. It's on the Train Like a Mother Club under strength training videos. It's accessible to everybody. All the strength training videos, um, because I'm going to talk about a couple more too. They're all accessible there. So check that out. And, um, you know, we obviously recommend a a firmer foam roller. It hurts like a mother. We won't (laughs) lie, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But that black grid X um, from Trigger Point, you know, it used to scare me and now... You know, I'd almost prefer to snuggle with it over my husband's. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have to say also just in terms of um, uh, you mentioned Trigger Point, which is a longtime partner of ours. We totally love their products, but I was reminded how wonderful any of their grid products are, all of them. When I was this weekend, I was out um, emceeing a, the Happy Girls Race out in Bend and got to um, work out at this gym that was at the resort we were staying at. And I saw they had those white foam rollers um and which is basically like a big pool noodle and so you know i was like oh my hip flexor you know needs a little love again the thing you know i'm like squishing the thing in half i'm just like you know and and it felt okay like it it provides some relief but not it was not like my beloved grid 2.0 that was back home and you know waiting for me and sure. so, yeah, it just, I mean, really the, the investment is so well worth it because yes, you know, maybe it's 50 bucks at the get go, but then you're not having to, you know, drive to get a massage or, you know, you live someplace that there's not a really talented massage therapist, something like that. You know, it can just, it will become your new, your new snuggle buddy. So yeah. Yeah. did you, yeah. did you used to roll your shins or have you always rolled your shins, Christine? Did you know about that? No, I mean, I, and, and I usually try to avoid the things that are super duper painful, but you're right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, and you know, that, and the IT bands, uh, you know, for me that the IT band rolling has made a huge, huge difference. Sure. Um, yeah, I, yes, I think that anytime, you know, in, in, in long lines with her question is, um, in addition to the foam rolling, you know, any kind of prehabbing stuff, um, you know, icing and stretching and making sure that she's getting proper nutrition, all that stuff's going to help keep her healthy. So hopefully it'll save her money that she shouldn't have to spend on going to, um, uh, therapists and all that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the foam roller rocks. Mm -hmm. I recommend that to everybody. Yeah. Yes. Hey, um, clap, clap, clap guys. Um, I think we should, I have nine minutes left and, um, can we skip to Kristen Smith and then Deborah's question? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more though. Let me let, then let me. Just okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I just because um, yeah. the guest is coming to my house, so I don't want to have her sitting on my porch too long. Sure, sure. Um, and so I just want to follow up a little bit um, because Kristen, who Kristen Green in the in the half marathon challenge, is also looking for injury prevention. And so Christine's tips are great. Self care is always good. Um, sleep is massive. Um, but again, going back to those videos, just because um, <laughs> I've been working on them a lot, so I want to make sure that they are viewed. Um, there is, um, so we talked about the foam rolling. Um, we just did one called foot defense, which is about if you have a plan, if you can feel like plantar fasciitis is coming on or another tendon and ligament issue, there is a specific spot you can hit in your heel that will help release that. And then your foot, you know, all the tendons in your foot will run up either side of your leg, more or less. I mean, that's a very, very basic uh, physiology, but um, so there's that. So that teaches you how to release your foot. And then it has the front shin foam rolling. And then it has what we call super friend foam rolling on your calf, which is 
ridiculously painful, but ridiculously effective. Mm -hmm. So that's the foot defense video. Again, these are all under the strength training videos in the Train Like a Mother Club. So you have access to them. Mm -hmm. um, the next one we did is a resistance band video, which is all about hip strength. I mean, most mother runners have no hip strength or they have super unbalanced hips because we've been toting around large kids on our hips for too long on one hip so you can keep your other hand free. So um, that's, you know, that's a five minute video that you can do. And we have a link to buy the bands. If you don't have them, the bands are like $13 total for six. So that would be, go a long way. And that band circuit we're going to add on to um, every three weeks. So um, just check back there. And then finally, we did a Bozu video, which is mm -hmm. for glute strength. And mm -hmm. there are um, three moves right there. The Bozu is more expensive. It's like 100 bucks, but a lot of gyms have them. Oh, Physical yeah. therapists office have them. Um, and so um, those things, I mean, you know, it's a lot to pile on. But if you can maybe do resistance bands twice a week and Bozu twice a week, you know, building your glutes up, and learning how to engage them because they are large muscles, but most of them just carry us around or carry them around on the run without using them. Mm -hmm. um, so glute strength and hip stability, if you can do those two things and then release your muscles with the foam rolling and the foot defense. Like that is that injury proofing your body. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's that yeah. prehab 90% of the, the stuff. So, you know, I just encourage you, I mean, you know, we don't want to be nagging moms and be like, do it, do it, do it. But, Check it out and integrate what you can into your lives because that's the kind of stuff that will make your miles a lot easier and keep you running, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. today I had to do five miles with eight strides at the end of it and then do some about a 10-minute hip strengthening um, little routine. And so it's a beautiful day here in Portland. So I got my yoga mat and I went outside into our little tiny side yard and roll unrolled my mat onto a little pavement walkway that we have. And, you know, so I got to enjoy being outside for a little bit longer and not go in and face the mayhem that I'm, mm. you know, it happens before our school day start. I'm not sure it happens for anyone else. Uh, no, no, it's always <laughs> calm in my house. Right, right. Very quiet, <laughs> peaceful. The children no freaking out. Yeah. Children are totally just obedient. Oh, and they're so loving toward each other, particularly. <laughs> oh, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's end with a question about blisters, because I think this is important coming into the hot months as well. So, Sarah, mm -hmm. do you want to read that one? Sure. Yeah, it comes from. Deborah, who um, I believe is in the half marathon. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she says, and, and I'm intrigued by this question. I'm really, I'm really yeah, intrigued. That's by, me yeah. Too. I don't know what the answer <laughs> is. I know. I'm hoping, Coach I'm, oh, Christine, <laughs> pressure's on you. <laughs> Quick, Google it. <laughs> so she says, on race day, I wear the same thing on my feet that I do in training same socks, same shoes. In training, Deborah never gets blisters, but in half marathon races, she always does a big, nasty, painful one on her big toe or on the inside of her foot, um, once on the bottom of her heel. And um, like she even says that, you know, she feels them starting at mile three. They pop up around a mile 11. She they says, pop. Yeah. Pop oh, pop. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Um, that she, feels good. Yeah. Uh, she says, I've covered the same distance in training without blisters. Is my gait somehow different in a race that I'm not aware of? Are my feet sweatier? Any other thoughts? And she wants um, suggestions on preventing them in future races. Yeah. The blisters are awful. Um, yeah, they're no fun, especially if you let them pop. Mm. Have you ever had that happen? That it hurts yeah. like, mm, we can feel nice like and raw. And, mm. Yeah. And right also, in there, maybe and, get a little sand to rub in there. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, I mean, if she's getting them in the exact same spots every time, um, then at least she could be a little bit ahead of the game and knowing areas that she should treat, uh, prior to running. I mean, my first suggestion is maybe having a different pair of racing shoes. Maybe her feet do swell a little bit more while she's racing, while she's at a harder effort. Maybe they're sweating a little bit more. Um, uh, so maybe sizing half up for longer races might be an option. Um, socks, I really like the, the thinner ones for me um, that it's kind of like are almost like really suction to your foot so that there's no gapping or any kind of crinkling in the sock that could be causing any problem. There's also socks where they have a double layer so that the, the friction isn't directly on your skin. You know, what she's already doing, the lubing up, um, moleskin, that's huge in the ultra world is slapping on a bunch of moleskin onto your feet, um, in spots that, you know, are your hot spots where you might be getting blisters. 
Um, people even like duct tape, you know, throw mm-hmm. duct tape on spots. One of product, and I'm going to have to find out what the name of this one is, but there, and you, one of you may know, there's something that you can buy to actually put in your shoe. It kind of looks like, it reminds me of the, like a duct tapey type substance, and but it's molded to the shape of different parts of your shoe, the inside of your shoe. So you actually, and so instead of putting it on your skin or lubing up, you actually put it on the offending part inside your shoe. Mm. Um, and I used that with success a year or so ago, but then just haven't used that again. But, um, but yeah, you know, if, if she's having that consistently happening, trying to figure out what is going on and then tackling that problem. But, um, but those are some ideas that she might be able to work with. I How about have, you guys? I have to say, so I have, I never, ever, ever get blisters in training, but I have, um, in my marathon that I PR'd, I got a massive blister and then I got a very big blister at Boston as well as two black toenails, which I never get. Mm. And um, I'm convinced it was because there was so much downhill in Boston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and I also think, you know, I hadn't gone over 20 miles. So my gait, you know, changed somewhat. And uh, coming off an injury, you know, I think my gait was slightly compromised. But so um, the um, the downhill, as well as also, I think roads in a race can sometimes be more canted, perhaps, you know, slopied on the sides is um, the less fancy slopey. way. Slopied. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, because like I know um, Big Sur Marathon, the road in the second half of the race is is um, has a very significant cant on either side. So mm-hmm. that if you are bothered by blisters and things like that, and if the road is closed for your race, again, try to run down the middle. Th- that's your takeaway from this is run down the run middle. Down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> on the course you avoid the the, the slow beat in the sun the slow beat the sun but then oh but see then you would maybe the canopy doesn't go quite out as far but you would also oh. then avoid the um discarded cups and banana peels and orange um rinds so um so yeah because i think you know let's say you oftentimes run on a treadmill or you know a, a bike path or something like that those are so flat so there could be things that you think well this is pretty similar to what i run at home and mm, you know maybe when you kind of examine it under a microscope you notice that there are some differences but other there are um there are blister band-aids too that i've used before i definitely got blisters training um for that ultra mm-hmm. and um i sometimes you don't want to do this probably in a race but i would carry them with me and then when i start to feel it i would put it on there um mm. it just has some padding to give you a little bit more but maybe you put it on you know if it's always on your big toe like christine said or something like that but mm-hmm. unfortunately that's just Sometimes the cost of being badass, Deborah, is that your feet are going to look badass too and maybe feel a little badass. <laughs> or just look bad. Yeah, right. <laughs> or just look bad. There ain't no it's ass. It's just bad. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note. Uh, on that, no, I know. I'm going to go get my toes painted. Um, well, thank you guys. This was really fun. And um, thank you for all the great questions, ladies, you challengers. Um, and we will have another one of these in the next couple of weeks. Um, there were some nutrition questions, and I think we're going to have another nutrition podcast podcast because that's always a hot topic. So if you didn't get your question answered about nutrition, that is why. And if you didn't get your other questions answered otherwise, it's just because we don't like you, right? <laughs> I'm glad you just said it because, you know, we don't want them wondering. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I tried to lump them together as best I could. We don't have four hours, right? So anyway, we do not. hope this helped. And um, thank you for being part of the Train Like a Mother Club challenges. And we will see you again soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.